Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. David Center's one-timer score. Oscar Clefbaum and Edmonton strikes again in overtime. This time, it's Clefbaum. He'll swing it out to the outside, and it is to the end zone. Touchdown, Eskimos. Darrell Walker with the touchdown, and the Eskimos take the lead with less than a minute to go. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Could the NHL season end tomorrow? Well, it will if the Washington Capitals defeat the Vegas Golden Knights. Game 5 will be on 6.30 Chad 24 hours from now. Caps win they get the cup. Golden Knights win. They go back to Washington for game six on Sunday. My name is Reed Wilkins, Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 630 Ched, and a man who has been a great and entertaining resource. Well, ever since the Golden Knights were even mentioned as a possible expansion team, joins us now to discuss what could be their last stand. Brian Blessing from Sportsbook Radio and the Vegas Hockey Hotline on 1400 KS. HP in Vegas. Brian, how are you doing? Hey, Reed. How you doing, sir? Now, does, does your station have like a funky handle or are you 1400 KSHP all the time? It's AM 1400 KSHP. So you don't have like a, like you're not like 1400 the boot, you know, like 1400 the... <laughs> no, 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 no. No, I'm not, I'm not that creative either. Reed, give me a call. We'll talk hockey. I can handle that. Yeah, exactly. Hey, uh, you know, it's funny, Brian. I was sitting sitting at my desk yesterday, and, you know, people wander into the sports department and they want to shoot the breeze with you about, uh, you know, the Oilers or the Eskimos or the Stanley Cup final. And somebody comes up to me and says, Reed, I, I want to ask you something about Game 5. And I was like, okay, yeah, sure. What uh, What's going on? I'm thinking, all right, are they going to ask me about Ovechkin? Are they going to ask me about Holtby or Flurry? And this person says to me, what do you think the Golden Knights are going to do for a pregame presentation now they're facing elimination? <laughs> I don't know. They, they might shoot the, they might actually shoot the flamed arrows right into the Caps bench. I don't know. <laughs> Brian, you know this Vegas team as well as anybody. Uh, where did this series turn for you from your perspective? How come they're on the ropes? I think to a degree, Reed, they get stubborn to a fault where all along they've said, you know, play our game. Uh, in their games transition and up-tempo and five-on-five, five, rolling four lines, they're really, really good. Um, but against a team like Washington, who I think realized after game one they couldn't play a track meet game with this team, that Vegas gets stubborn to a fault where they refuse to dump the puck in. And the most dangerous place for them to turn the puck over is at the blue line coming in. 
And you know, that I've never seen a first period or a period like that the other night. Vegas really was the better team for 12, 13 minutes of the period, and they were down 3 nothing. But they can generate offense. Uh, by working the Caps' defense down low, dump it in, win some puck battles with speed, uh, in, in you know use that four-check game. But I think I think one of the keys, Reed, is playing from in front. And the first goal, I think, is monster in this series. And I think if Vegas can get a lead, then the Caps get out of that 1-1-3 because they're going to have to generate some offense at some point, and that's when Vegas's transition game will kick in. That's Vegas's problem. You know, like Washington's just been a force. Uh, and the key for them, they've been doing a lot of these cross-crease passes that I think Vegas has to make a real adjustment here and say, look, stop chasing the puck. And even if it's a quality scoring attempt, you're going to have to say, I am not leaving my man. And Flurry's going to have to stop the first one. But Vegas is chasing the puck, and they get Flurry moving one way, and the east-west passes have been killing them. I think they're going to just have to say, listen, Flurry's going to have to stop that first shot. We're not leaving our guy. Flurry's obviously been outstanding, especially in the first three rounds of the playoffs. I know his save percentage isn't going to flatter anybody, anybody these days in the Stanley Cup final. And I'm not saying that he's playing bad because I think some goals, you know, like you said, it's a cross-crease pass. It's a great one-timer. It's an odd man rush, and Washington has finished. But I, I looked at that goaltending matchup in the West final, Brian, and thought, I, I don't think Connor Helbuck's playing bad, but Fleury's playing incredible. And now I kind of look at this and I say, I don't know if, if, if Marc-Andre Fleury's playing bad, but Braden Holtby's all of a sudden the guy who's, you know, a 40-45 game winner almost every year after not being the starting goalie at the beginning of the playoffs. I think that's a perfect assessment. I mean, I hope he is is winning that battle. And you know, if you're, if you're gonna, if you can talk about puck luck. And I don't like. I give Gallant credit because they've hit a bunch of posts, and people ask him about puck luck, and he said no. He said that's what we were hearing, you know, in the last round because the Jets were talking about luck all the time. He's like, you know, you make your own luck. And you know, Washington, they've hit their fair share of posts too. Hope he's been phenomenal. Um, I think the Caps uh, have been a really interesting team in terms of their depth read, where their third and fourth line are getting production, and where Vegas tries to roll four lines and wear you down and force the other team to shorten the bench. Um, the Caps are on the precipice. They're, they're, they're playing phenomenal. But you've seen this before. Now, the numbers certainly don't say that it looks in any way, shape, or form good for Vegas. But this team has used the mantra all year long. They, I mean, they really have. Uh, one game at a time, and they don't get too far ahead of themselves. But you know how it goes. You win this one, and we know the Caps have cost up a lot of 3-1 leads in their franchise history, albeit not in the Stanley Cup Finals. Vegas find a way, hold serve, win that game, and there's a truckload of pressure on Washington to win the Cup and, and make sure it doesn't come back to Vegas for a seventh game. So uh, there's hockey to be played yet. I and this Vegas team, the one thing is they are very resilient, Reed, and it's been a Hollywood story, I guess. If you were going to put icing on the cake, you know, I mean, to, to put the, uh, the uh, you know, the smarmy end on the end of the Hollywood story, <laughs> it would be to come back from a 3-1 ending. I mean, they've done almost everything else this year. 
Well, I said that on, on this show last night. That, that wouldn't it? Wouldn't that be the ultimate end of this fantasy ride? That they come back from three-one down and win Game Seven at home. So yeah, it, it, it's it's not over. Washington looks great, but you know, like you said, the inside of the post instead of the outside or that bounce sometimes can change the complexion of the series. You know, Brian. Well, Neil, 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 and Reed, Neil. Uh, they, they hit a post, and then Neil's got a yawning net that he probably shoots it in 98 times out of 100 and, and you know, misses. Uh, and, you know, it's, oh, yeah, well, the, the, you know, they got killed. Well, I think it's a different game if Vegas gets the lead in that first period. I mean, they, they're, not, they're certainly not going to the locker room down 3 nothing. I got to ask you one more, Brian, and, and you, you got the hockey show in Vegas, and, and I always say this. Because you you've been talking hockey long in in Vegas long before they had an NHL team, you didn't just pop up because the Golden Knights came into existence. But but you've been at the forefront of covering this team, talking about this team. I, I'm curious, you know, the fans there have been great, the arena atmosphere have been great. What's the attitude now? that, you know, it, it could end, like we both said, not for sure. Is it, you know, what what a season, whatever happens, happens, or is it kind of like, darn it? We we gotta win it. We still gotta figure out a way. Oh no, I think people have kind of you know they took the punch to the gut the other night. But I I think the, the, they got the big rally cap on. I would envision that building will be the loudest it's ever been uh, for Game Five. And I listen. Unfortunately, I'm old enough uh, to remember and go all the way back to the very beginning as a Sabres fan when you know they were an expansion team came in and then all of a sudden. They had the French connection, and they made the playoffs. And it's one of the most famous moments in franchise history. They were taking on the fabled Canadians, and they ended up losing. They scared the devil out of the Canadians, but they ended up losing in six. The Sabres fans stood there and cheered in the old odds for 15 minutes, just saying, thank you, Sabres. Uh, you know, and that was the beginning of, uh, of that organization and that franchise history. And, and I firmly envision that kind of celebration and, and honestly, when it's all said and done, I mean, there's there's going to be, um, I don't know if it's a parade, but at least a celebration. My God, there were, again, Reed, there were eight 900 people at the practice this morning. I mean, right. you've never seen anything like it <laughs> where, you know, I mean, it could be an optional skate with six guys skating around cones and 800 people are there chanting, go Knights, go. It's been incredible to watch, and I know a lot of people in Edmonton and area have, have made Vegas their, their second favorite team throughout the course of the season and into the playoffs here. Obviously, the Oilers didn't get in. Brian, you've been awesome. Uh, we're not done doing this, regardless of what happens tomorrow. Thanks for coming on the show tonight, man. Enjoy Game 5. Reed, and likewise, you've been awesome doing the, the shows with us, and it's always a treat talking hockey with you, bud. Thank you. That is Brian Blessing checking in tonight from 1400 KSHP in Vegas. He hosts the Vegas Hockey Hotline. He's a fun guy to uh, talk to, knows a lot about hockey, as he mentioned. He used to cover the Buffalo Sabres, and he's now been doing the hockey show in Vegas for about a decade. Finally had an NHL team this year. Yeah, tomorrow's game on 6.30, Chad. Going to start at 6 o'clock, Vegas against the Capitals. Uh, we'll keep talking hockey throughout the show. We have some Eskimos news. Between 6.30 and 7, we'll have an update on that Ed Ill Nikki award story that we talked to yesterday have uh, a little bit more information on it, though some of the people involved aren't very forthcoming, uh, explaining to me what has been going on, but we'll talk to U of A football coach Chris Morris about that, and we'll tee up the Canada Rugby Scotland, or the, uh, sorry, the Canada-Scotland rugby game Saturday at Commonwealth. All ahead. All the blood. 
sweat, the tears. It all comes down to this. One more round to go. Catch every moment of the action of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Road trip ready? Visit Jiffy Lube today. The Stanley Cup Finals, exclusively on 630 Chad. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. All right, really appreciate you tuning in tonight inside sports on 630. Ched, I don't know if you heard this, Connor McDavid hockey card sold for $55,000 a few days ago. We'll get the story behind that between 7 and 7.30 tonight. And you're going to meet Ron Miner as well. Uh, wheelchair athlete. He just uh, actually on Monday, uh, this coming Monday, he's going into the, the Edmonton Sports Hall of Fame. Pretty amazing guy. So uh, we'll catch up with Ron Miner as well. Ryan King, first day on the field with the Edmonton Eskimos. Remember, he had that uh, bad ACL injury last season. So he was back on the field today. We'll get to a conversation he had with Dave Campbell. Speaking of injuries in the Canadian Football League, Matt Nichols, quarterback for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, and a it looked like a knee injury today at practice. No contact. Uh, dropping back during a d- drill went down through his helmet. Had to be helped off. Bombers didn't say for sure, but an apparent knee injury to Matt Nichols of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. So that's a tough break for Matt, who obviously as an Eskimo and a bomber has had several uh, injury concerns and things to deal with along the way. So uh, you'll hear a little bit from him as we move along too. The Eskimos tomorrow will uh, be on the field between 8.30 and noon. At some point in there, they're going to have an unscripted padded scrimmage. It won't be quite full contact, but w- when we say unscripted, what that means is the players aren't going to be given a set of like, okay, we're doing these plays, these plays, and then these plays. They want to simulate some game situations, some stressful situations. All right, here we are on our own 30 with a minute left, no timeout, go. Mike, you got to call the plays at the line of scrimmage. You know, we're not going to stop the clock or all of a sudden, you know, field goal. We got to get the field goal unit on the field quickly without taking a time count violation, all that type of stuff. So uh, that'll be what the Eskimos will be doing tomorrow morning. So Dave and Morley will have the update on that uh, throughout the afternoon and on 630Ched.com. What we want to do now is, speaking of that rugby game, Canada against Scotland, 7 o'clock Saturday at Commonwealth Stadium. We've done a couple segments on the show on this. We had Gord McCrory in studio last week, who is uh, lives in Edmonton, f- grew up in Scotland, now in Canada, now in Edmonton, playing for Canada. So he'll play against Scotland on Saturday night. So that's one of the storylines on this. We have those four tickets lying around there, Kellen? We do. To the rugby. So we'll do it. We'll, once again, we will do caller number... Well, we did a trivia question last time. Tonight, we'll just do caller number four. Caller number four, 780-496-0063, gets the four tickets to Canada-Scotland rugby coming up Saturday night at Commonwealth Stadium. It's going to start at 7 o'clock. Okay, I mentioned for the Eskimos, Ryan King back on the field after dealing with that serious ACL injury last season. He spoke to Dave Campbell. Ryan King back on the Good to see you out here, man. Yeah, it feels uh, feels great to get cleared for my first full practice and... uh, Get out here, run around with the guys, you know, spend the, spend the whole two-day out here, and, uh, yeah, it felt great to be out here. So the, 
next natural question is, how did it feel, the knee? Uh, the knee felt great today. It was uh, They've been working me real hard since training camp opened uh, with our new human uh, performance coach, uh, Kyle and, uh, and Brad, and they've been doing a great job of uh, – Getting me, uh, you know, ready to go for this this day today. It was uh, the transition, not only cleared to be out here participating, but cleared for full contact, cleared mm-hmm. for for everything. So today was a big day for all of us, from you know my side to my physio side to the team to everything. So we're all happy. Practice is over and there's no problem. So it was a successful day. You're back a few days earlier than you expected, but how? How important is it to get back out in the field a little bit earlier? Uh, you know, worked out that way, worked out nicely for you. But how important is it for you to get maybe an extra day, an extra couple days before things get going on Sunday for uh, for the season opener in Winnipeg? Yeah, it's big for me because uh, that's just the last transition. I they you know they're drilling me on the sled pushes and doing all sorts of cone drills and trying to be position specific. But you can't do that until you're truly in the field of play with guys around you flying around. So these are important days for me. You know, these are almost game days. I'm treating them like game days. I got up this morning. And, uh, you know, had my normal game day routine. I was here super early getting ready to go. And, and I was the first one out on the field today. So it's, uh, I got to treat each day like that. And there's still going to be a process of, uh, you know, rehab that I have to go through just to make sure there's no setbacks. Uh, but as it is today, you know, I, I had a full full load of uh, snapping on punts, field goals, running down on kickoffs, yeah. and everything felt great. So I'm happy. A lot of butterflies this morning? Uh, not really, but I, I, I did wake up and it, it did feel more like a game day, you know. But I don't get really get butterflies, but it's more I was in the zone, you know. I woke yeah. up before my alarm, you know. I, I had a you know two breakfasts today, got you know getting hydrated and uh, had a good stretch, and and you know we. It feels good to get out here with just our, our normal routine of, uh, you know, Whitey and Danny and get back with Hugh and the punt team and just get the communication going right and all that kind of stuff. So I know the guys are excited to have me back too. Just like riding the bike again? Did it feel like that? Uh, yeah. It, it's uh, maybe, Whitey uh, chirp you? Well, you know, there's lots of little chirps going on out there. And, uh, I know Danny would. Yeah, of course. Uh, but, we, you know, football's fun and we, we like to enjoy ourselves as much as we can, even though it's training camp. And uh, But, yeah, we're excited to get get into the season. we got a veteran crew. Uh, on, on special teams and uh, I think this is uh, I'm just trying to be that extra energy at the end of training camp when everyone's got you know tired legs come out and say hey you know let's just try to get good reps and give a good look so we can uh, have a good game for us first week. Well you mentioned uh, Kyle Thorne who's your new strength and conditioning coach talk about acquisitions in an offseason by a football team and he might be the most important acquisition this team has made uh, working with him what, what, what's he been like? Man he's, he's been a great addition to our football club uh, from uh, from the problems that we've had in the past with injuries and all those kind of things it's, uh, it's good to see that uh, that Brock uh, invested came through for us in, in the rehab recovery pre- uh, prehab kind of phase and Kyle's uh, a very qualified uh, coach to be here working with uh, pro athletes teams he knows how to communicate with us he knows our language he knows how we we run and move and how we sleep and everything we do so he's uh, he's been a great addition for myself personally being able to work with him one-on-one for the last 10 days of training camp uh, he definitely helped me get through that last step of getting cleared to play and and like I said we we're back on the field much earlier than uh, I expected even and, and basically everybody and you know Kyle has a lot to do with that last little um, you know roadblock that I had to, to kick down. Good to see you out here again. Thanks a lot man. Dave Campbell talking to Ryan King and yes the Eskimos long snapper he's happy to be back on the field. Long road to recovery for him but feeling better. Eskimos again I mentioned they'll have this uh, unscripted padded scrimmage tomorrow the season for them will start one week from tomorrow, next Thursday. They're in Winnipeg, 5 o'clock countdown to kickoff game at 6.30 here on 6.30. Chad, Jason wins the rugby tickets. Jason, I hope you enjoy Canada-Scotland, 7 o'clock, Commonwealth Stadium on Saturday. 
All right, I'll bring you the latest on uh, this sort of unusual story with Ed Ilnicki and his eligibility or lack of it for U Sports Male Athlete of the Year. Football coach Chris Morris from the Golden Bears will join us. This is J.C. Sheriff from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. It's been an interesting last 24 hours with this story that, that I've been pursuing and, and frankly, quite frustrating. And I, I'm just going to recap it here. I know maybe some of you heard this last night. It's, it's been a little strange. I think along the way I've, uh, I've, I've angered some people, uh, but that's, that's how it goes. But I, but I trusted I was pursuing something that was a story and that I had at least enough of the facts to keep going with it. And it's been frustrating because my inquiries to get more facts have kind of been uh, acknowledged and ignored at the same time, if that makes sense. I'll tell you what happened. At about 5.30 yesterday afternoon, I saw on Twitter a comment from Ian Reid. Ian Reid is the athletic director at the University of Alberta. That is no small job. He doesn't tweet a lot. And his tweet was, should Ed Elnicki have to be present at a ceremony to win an award he deserves? I think we have our values wrong. That was Ian Reid's tweet. That made me raise an eyebrow. So I got in touch with some people at the U of A, and I'll I'll use a a broadcasting term, multiple sources, said that, uh, yes, Ed Elnicki was one of four finalists for the BLG Athlete of the Year Award. The awards were handed out Monday in Vancouver. Ed Elnicki couldn't be there because he's in training camp with the Ottawa Red Blacks. Of course, Ed won the Heck Crichton Award in the fall of 2017 as the best football player in U sports. He subsequently won Canada West Male Athlete of the Year for all sports. And then as a result, Canada West put him forward to win the national award. I also was given an email from on May 29th, so last Tuesday, and this was from a U Sports communication person, and the email had this sentence. We are assuming that he, meaning Ed, can't join the other nominees in Vancouver this weekend, nor attend the event, which seriously compromises his chances to win the award. Uh, I saw that, and I thought, yeah, they're pretty much saying that if Ed can't be at the award, the votes for him will either be discouraged or ignored. There's a 21-person committee who votes on this BLG award. BLG is a law firm in Calgary that sponsors the award. Doug Mitchell, longtime uh, supporter and guy who's been involved in university sports for a long time, started the BLG awards in 1993. They originally had a different uh, name, but this is now the, the law firm that sponsored them. So I emailed back, I, I emailed this U Sports Communications person basically saying, why, why did you write this? Were you discouraging voters from voting for Ed? And why do you have to be at an award ceremony to win that award? And I got a reply from this U Sports person who said, hey, we don't run the awards. They honor U Sports athletes, but it's not our show. Talk to BLG. Here's an email. Okay, uh, I sent an email inquiry last night to BLG, sent another one today. Got a reply this afternoon from Doug Mitchell himself who basically said, Reed, BLG has no such rule that you have to attend the award ceremony to win the award. Uh, 
so I politely wrote back to Doug and said, Doug, you'll have to forgive my confusion. I obviously sort of outlined what I'd happened. I included that quote from the email from U Sports and said, so why, why was the U of A told this? Why were they led to believe that if Ed Elnicki isn't there, he can't win and per- perhaps he can't even be voted for? Doug Mitchell wrote back and said, Reed, I can't speak for U Sports. That was the end of our conversation. Uh, other inquiries uh, or for clarification have met dead ends. Now, what's interesting, I got a call at 5.55 today, right before I was coming in here to do the show, from a third party who uh, I trust has knowledge of this situation, who said, Reed, I think the original meaning of the email was that the committee who votes on this award likes to meet the athletes and sort of interview them before they vote. And Ed couldn't go there for the interview because he's with the Red Blacks, so that compromises his chances of winning the award. Now, I still think that's a, a stupid policy, quite frankly, because if you're the best, if you're the best, you're the best. You shouldn't have to have a final interview so the committee can feel good about your personality. Uh, and I also wonder why these fairly high-ranking people I contacted didn't just clarify that for me to begin with. That's what I can tell you. That's where we're at as we bring in Golden Bears football coach Chris Morris. Hi, Chris. Hey, Reed. How you doing? Good. Thanks for sitting through that. That's where I'm at. Let me ask you this. That email came in last Tuesday. I know you saw it. The, the key sentence. We are assuming that Ed can't join the other nominees in Vancouver nor attend the event, which seriously compromises his chance to win the award. How did you interpret that when you first saw it? Well, I interpreted it pretty much the way it's worded and that you know there's not much there's not much room for interpretation in what's going on when when someone who's putting the award on says that not attending the award ceremony will seriously compromise your ability to win an award i don't think there's a lot of gray area there and you know people can say you know it's his fault it's their fault it's it's whatever that the reality of the situation is that if we have if we have an award that's set up to celebrate the top university athlete in the country. And that award is tied in any way to sponsorship or the fact that someone has to be at a ceremony so that that sponsor may benefit in that way. And as a result of that, the student athlete, and I'm going to say this about Ed Elnicki, Ed Elnicki would be very uncomfortable with following forward with these things. Ed, Ed is uh, the best kid you can ever imagine. And if you can imagine yourself being given the opportunity to go to a professional football camp to try to make a professional team, which, which is a, a statistical anomaly for anybody to try to be able to do, and in the middle of that process receive emails saying, hey, if you don't show up for the ceremony, you're probably not going to get to win, and be given the impression that you have to choose between being in a professional camp and go off to an award ceremony I would very much question the ethics and the integrity of the organization who's putting that on. And I think it's an embarrassment, and I think it's put Ed in a position that he's handled incredibly well. But I'm going to say this, I don't have to be as nice as Ed, and I don't have to be as understanding as Ed. My job is to protect the University of Alberta, to protect my student-athletes, and he's been wrong here. And even if he was just given the impression, and he was even given any pressure whatsoever that he would have to leave a professional camp at the sport in which he has excelled and done proud and shown everyone in the country how great a player he is 
to attend a ceremony, a ceremony, then I don't know where we're going with sport. And I honestly, goodness, the, the spirit of sport is dead if that's what we're saying to a kid. Well, was this ever, and again, as I said, Chris, the, the information I got that he needed to meet the voting committee, I, I finally got that from a third party who I have every reason to, to trust. I don't think anybody would, I, again, I question why BLG or U Sports couldn't have just told me that directly in my other inquiries. But was, was that ever communicated to you or, or to Ed, as far as you know? Was that ever clear that, well, you're supposed to go do an interview with the committee before they, they vote and they might not vote for you if you're not there? Was that ever made clear to you? Well, Reed, seriously, and, and I'm, I'm just going to say what I think on this one. That, is, that does not sound like the truth to me, and it is nonsensical. Because we have Skype, we have a million ways to conference call, we have a million ways to do face-to-face interviews from a, large, from a long distance away. And for someone to say, oh, no, they wanted to interview him, well, then interview him. Because if you wanted to, you had every ability to do so. This isn't 1950 anymore, where they'd have to be on separate lines, do separate interviews. We have Skype. We have a million ways to make an interview such as that happen. So if that was the case, then my next question would be, why in the world didn't they do the interview then, if it was so important? Chris Morris, you have a football coach joining us on Inside Sports. As I mentioned, Chris, this this all started with a with a tweet from your athletic director Ian Reed. I know he's uh, he, he's he's tied up this week, so we have you on the show. Um, but has there been any sort of because obviously, as I started digging into this, I, I found out that you know several U of A people weren't happy about that email, and even at the conference level. There are some Canada West people who are, are, are pretty unhappy about how it was worded. Even if it was incorrectly worded, it, it came across a certain way. Have you received any? Have, I didn't get an explanation. Did, did you or the U of A get any sort of explanation from U of A, from U Sports or BLG? No, I've received no explanation whatsoever. I, I don't, I, is, is, it, is it up to them to explain it to me? Or, you know, probably not. But, but I'll say this. Like, you know, I, as a person, like, I, I played... CIAU, like I, I was an athlete who won a national award, who was asked to be at his school, and who, who is part of the tradition that, that has been CIS, CIAU, and now U Sports. I weep for what it's becoming, if this is the case. And I really, you know, your association with something that works this way, you start to almost think, you know, really, what is the value of the association if it's based on these principles? And the principles that are being displayed by this this incident are embarrassing. And, I, and I'll be honest with you, like, this has nothing to do with, with, with the person who won the award. This has everything to do with the communication that was given to Ed, the messaging that was given to Ed, and the messaging that was given to everybody around the fact that, you know what, if you don't show up for our corporate-sponsored, our corporate-sponsored ceremony, then you will not be eligible to win the award. And, you know, I'm sorry. I'm sure BLG would love to have all those guys strutting around and, and, and showcasing their product and and showing them how great they are for supporting them. But that's, unfortunately, in this case, there was a student athlete pursuing his dream and his sport, and he was unable to do so. And for them to say we needed to interview him and not even set up a Skype interview, not even give him that opportunity, and come out and say it's so important that that interview take place, my goodness, Reid, Reid, it is, it's embarrassing. I keep using the term embarrassing because I have no other term, because I'm, I'm affiliated with it, and, and I just, it, it feels almost dirty to me. Well, and, and Chris, the, the, one of the hard things for me in talking about this is that there, there's a young man who won the award who had an incredible season of his own, and I don't want to take anything away from him. And I, I, look, I, I think Ed had a great chance to win. 
you're speaking for the U of A. I'll, I'll happily, you know, tell Edmonton and area stories. Um, to me, whether Ed would have won or not is not the point. The The point is that there are some very odd standards for, <laughs> like, just you, you got to go meet these people or, or you might not win. Just it, that, that's what doesn't make any any sense to me. And it, it just, it, 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 you're right, it, it's, it, sullies, it sullies the whole event to one degree or another. Very confusing. Well, even, even the audacity to make the kids think that, look, you got to make a decision here. Like, what decision is he supposed to make? Like, someone's paying him to be in a professional camp. Do they? It, it just shows to me that they're so far removed from being involved in sport that they don't even really understand it anymore. And how can someone who doesn't really even understand sport anymore be responsible for handing out the athlete of the year? It's just, it's nonsensical. Well, I'll also say this. It, it, you know, when I, when I interviewed Mark Spector, Chris, about the Hart Trophy, he's the head of the Professional Hockey Writers Association, he was able to tell me the voting criteria for the Hart Trophy in the NHL. Neither person I inquired to with U Sports or BLG was able to explain this alleged appearance criteria. I ha- again, I had to get that from some uh, from a third party who is is involved, and I, and I and I know you're you're kind of still calling BS on it. So I just wish they they would communicate, and that's and that's why U Sports often gets slapped with some of the some of the terms what it does. And I don't want to put you in an uncomfortable position because you, you coach in the league. But I, I will say this, you know. Uh, Ed, 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 Ed's not getting involved. Uh, he doesn't, and he doesn't want to say anything because he doesn't want to. Again, he doesn't want to take away from the kid that won. That's just who Ed is. Yeah, and that's and, and again, I'll say like I, I'm not Ed, so I don't like I don't, and I'll say this to you, Reed. Like if you look at statistically where he did, he set historic records at his conference. He was Player of the Year in his sport. There's very little difference between the accomplishment of the two athletes. And then you look at what Ed is off the field, and you look at Ed being a four, a five-time now academic All-Canadian, and you look at Ed being the winner of the Community Service Award for his conference, and you look at Ed being the first student-athlete at the University of Alberta, the University of Alberta now, a top 100 school in the world, one of the best academic institutions anywhere, the first student-athlete to ever graduate from the Peter Lawheed Leadership College. It, like, I don't care what criteria you're using. His off-field things are, yeah, I, I, and, I, and again, I, have no, I don't want to cast any stones towards the young man who won it because he's a tremendous athlete. But I'm telling you, if you compare this young man, if you compare Ed Olnicki in all the characteristics that they outline on their website regarding what this award is supposed to be about, I have a hard time placing him second in that race. Chris, I appreciate that you're able to, to chime in on this uh, as, as uh, it's it's been an unusual 24 hours from my work perspective trying to find out more about this and I know it was uh, kind of a strange week or so for you embroiled in some of this. Thanks for coming on tonight. Next time we'll talk uh, more about your current team, buddy. Yeah, thanks, Rita. Much, much appreciated having it on. I think it's something that needs to be looked at for sure. Chris Morris, head coach of the U of A Golden Bears football team. Mike says, what would promote sponsors better than a guy who's at a CFL camp? Mike, you're, you're bang on. Ed Nicky wins this award. The next day, everybody covering the Ottawa Red Blacks wants to go interview him about the award. Who cares he couldn't be at the ceremony or do this alleged interview with, uh, with the committee that was voting? Yakushev says, why would Ottawa not let Nicky go? 
the, they must know how much this award means. I'm sure he could still be evaluated even after missing a few days. Yeah, Chef, I don't think he could. And you're not going to miss training camp to go get an individual award. You're, you're there trying to make the Ottawa Red Blacks. You have to commit to that. So Ed Nicky wouldn't want to leave training camp. Inside Sports on Ched. We're coming right back. Your home for breaking news and expert opinion. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Ched. Well, I'll tell you this. I hope Ed Nicky has a great training camp with the Ottawa Red Blacks and is on the team this year. Uh, you know, Chris Morris outlined how awesome he was representing the U of A on and off the field. And uh, now he'll try to do it in the Canadian Football League. Just just an odd story as a member of the media. And I'm not expecting anybody to feel, feel sorry for me. It's just I'm trying to get information that should be fairly straightforward. I, I have the background. I have people upset about it who are urging me to find out what happened. And... You know, nobody was very forthcoming about it, which then raises more red flags. And then, then like I said, this last-minute information I got came from somebody who would be in the know, but it is is with neither BLG nor nor U Sports. And, and again, if that was the criteria that you have to meet with the voting committee, or they might not vote with vote for you, is still not. It shouldn't be a criteria. I think that's just silly. But just just my opinion. Canada Scotland rugby seven o'clock. Saturday, Commonwealth Stadium. Mike Brown with MB Events is putting the whole thing together. Mike, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Reed. How are you doing, pal? Yeah, I'm doing very well. Good, good to uh, talk to you today. Uh, now, obviously, we got Eskimos training camp. So, how how's how's everything going to shape up at uh, at Commonwealth organizationally, field wise here to accommodate everything going on at the stadium? No, you know what? The Eskimos uh, wrapped up their practice today at twelve, and uh, they were cleaning the lines off the field today. They're putting up the posts. And uh, tomorrow at 11 o'clock, Team Canada will be training in Commonwealth Stadium. Awesome stuff. So uh, I had Gord McCrory on the show last week. Edmontonian, originally from Scotland, who plays for Team Canada. So, uh, so that's going to be uh, that's going to be pretty exciting. We gave away four tickets to Jason, by the way, earlier. If fans are looking to get tickets. Uh, how can they get them? Can they get them ahead of time? Are they going to be able to walk up? What can you tell us, Mike? Yeah, you know what? Go to Ticketmaster.ca. We got prices as low as 19 bucks. I mean, Commonwealth Stadium, I think it's the uh, largest patio in the world. So, I mean, it's going to be a beautiful <laughs> night. So, get out there, spend 19 bucks, you know, before you go out or get some friends together. together. Even if you don't uh, know much about rugby, you know, it's going to be under the sun. Some of the best rugby in the world is going to be played. Ticketmaster.ca, 19 bucks. Most expensive ticket in the whole place is only 59 bucks. So uh, get out, support Canada. They're men on the, the way to the uh, World Cup, so they really need uh, our support. And Edmonton's known for filling stadiums, and we hope that on Saturday night, Edmontonians fill ours. For people who haven't seen rugby live, Mike, and, you know, let's face it, there's, there's, there's not a lot in Edmonton. This is cool to get a Canada game. Uh, what are some tips to being an astute rugby viewer once you're uh, in the stadium? Well, you know what? Just really the, the, the main thing is to follow the ball, because if you follow the ball, you're going to follow the action. Just remember that, you know, there's no forward passes. They can kick forward. But if you follow the ball, guys play offense and defense, so you'll either see them attacking or defending. The ball is basically the uh, the line of attack or the line of defense, so everyone has to be either on either side of the ball, whether on either team. So, I mean, you know, if you don't, if you haven't seen rugby before, come out. This is These are literally some of the best rugby players in the world. Scotland legitimately has players that are the best player in the world at their position that are going to be playing on Saturday. It'll be fast. It'll be furious. It'll be hard hitting. 
So if you enjoy any of those things, come out and watch Canada and Scotland on Saturday night. I mean, Canada is going to be the underdog going in, obviously. What you know? What does Canada have to do to win this game, and what will the result tell Canada as they prepare for the World Cup qualifying repertoires in the fall? Uh, you know, Canada's got to play Canadian style sport, man. We got to play hard, fast, uh, straight lines. We got to make our tackles. You can't miss tackles with a team like Scotland. You miss a tackle, and you know they're off to the races. Fifty meters later, you'll catch up to them, hopefully. But uh, you just gotta. We got to make those first sticks really hard, really aggressive. Let them know that, you know, we're hard Canadian boys and we're here to play. We're not going to let them roll over us. And, you know, if you can stick in the game with a team like Scotland uh, for about, you know, 50, 60 minutes, who knows what can happen. So if we can keep, keep it within, you know, five, seven points with about 30 uh, minutes left to go, I honestly believe the Canadian boys can pull it out. We've had success against Scotland in the past and uh, I really believe we're going to have some, some success on Saturday. And that's just going to lead the boys into having a great next two weeks in the June series in Ottawa and Halifax. And then I think uh, it's going to set Canada up really well to qualify for the World Cup at the Repertoire Tournament in November. Mike, really appreciate it. Looking forward to this match. Canada-Scotland, 7 o'clock, Saturday night, Commonwealth Stadium. World-class rugby. I know you're a busy guy, so thanks for fitting us in, man. Hey, Reed, man. I appreciate having us on. I'll see you Saturday. That is Mike Brown from MB Events. He's getting it all going, Canada against Scotland. Man, that's going to be a that's going to be a good one. And speaking of rugby, Jen Kish, Edmontonian from the uh, Rugby Sevens team, recently retired. Uh, it's Jen Kish Day tomorrow in the city of Edmonton, so that's pretty fun as well. And she's going into the uh, into the Edmonton Sports Hall of Fame on Monday. Ron Miner, who's going into the hall, he'll join us later on in the show. How about this? When we get back. How would you like to have a hockey card worth $55,000? We'll get the story. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.